Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood REI, and welcome our guest, the strong and powerful Mark Dolfini. Mark, welcome. Hello, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to uh, talking with you and your audience. It's great to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Mark is the landlord coach. He is a best-selling author of three books. He is a coach. He is a United States Marine Corps veteran. Thank you for your service. Mark, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thank. First of all, thanks. It was my honor to serve, and I appreciate all the veterans out there and all that they do. And um, honestly, I just I, we we were talking a little bit uh, before the show and about uh, what it is I'm doing, what I'm doing in terms of landlord coach, and why I chose to do this. And I can't really say that I chose to do it as much as it chose me, because I, uh, you know, I've I've always got it. I've always had it in my world to, uh, or, in, or in my um, my skill set to teach and coach, and for people that were, that are, uh, that understand that passion. That's just something that I just not only I feel like I'm I'm really good at, but um, I, I can start to make differences for other people. So for me, that was really one of the main things in terms of why I started Landlord Coach after I basically made every abject failure you probably possibly could make. <laughs> in the real estate business. <laughs> so it was not one of those situations where I, you know, bought my first rental and then went straight from there to the Ferrari dealership. That did not happen. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, it happened the opposite way. And, uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much why, you know, kidding, all kidding aside. I mean, that, that time for me was a really, really tough time where I, I had bought a bunch of rental properties, made a bunch of little jobs for myself. I basically created this prison that I could never extract myself from. And then by the time I realized where I was at, there was just, it, it, you know, the economy turned against me and everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. So it was a, uh, it was a comedy of errors, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not very common. And I think it's probably more of a good thing than a bad thing. You can answer that question. If it was just a straight right. line to success, everything was super easy and everything you did went uh, right. When you look back on that, are, are you grateful for it? I am. At the time, I surely wasn't. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, but one of those things that you know, it's, it, 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 unfortunately, it was one of those things where you say, "Well, it didn't kill you, so it made you stronger." But it did almost kill me. And I'm not saying that to. I'm not saying that lightly. I was actually working a. Uh, you know, I was working a corporate job, and um, then for the for your listeners who are old enough to remember 9/11. It changed a lot of things for a lot of people, and it certainly changed a lot of things for me. I, having grown up in New York, you know, those buildings meant a lot to me personally. I didn't grow up in the city, but I grew up a little bit <clears throat> north of there. So when that when when nine eleven happened, those buildings fell down. You know, I'm in St. Louis at the time, and I thought, man, I I don't I can't imagine going to a job that I didn't like, and then you know, to, to add insult to injury, I have to jump out of the window of a building. Uh, and, and because I'm not I'm, I, because I'm not really doing what I want to do, I'm doing it for money and not doing what I love. So that changed a lot of things for me. And uh, so as a, as a result, I started buying more and more rental properties. And because I didn't really have a clear vision of what I was doing it for, I just kept buying. And I got to 30 and then 50 and then 70. And I ended up with 92 rental units that I created through a hodgepodge of 
you know, financing and wheeling and dealing. And um, what I didn't realize is I had created multitudes of miserable little jobs for myself. So that's where um, that's that's really where it started to get interesting. So ninety-two um, rental units. You know, during, how 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 long did it take to accumulate that? That's that's a lot. Yeah, it was. So I started buying when I was a when I first got to Purdue. I was just out of the Marine Corps and went to Purdue for uh, my background in accounting and finance. So I started buying rental properties. And by the time I got out of rent of, of um, Purdue, I had um, right around a dozen rental units altogether. Wow. So mostly single family, a couple of duplexes here and there. But so I had a little over half a million dollars worth of real estate, but got to keep in mind, this is a different time back then. Money was really loose. Underwriting was really loose. And I just learned how the banks were underwriting, you know, loans. But then I started doing off, off book stuff, which was, you know, creative financing deals with, with, people who are just wanting to get out of the business and I was doing some contract sales, you know, subject twos and things like that. It's just very creative stuff. So that was pretty much how I built it. But it, but I, I was buying basically whatever was for sale hmm. and I see a lot of that happening now. And I'm thinking, man, I, 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 in my own mind, I can't imagine how some of the numbers are working. And for some people it's not, it's not working. And I think I'm 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 con- I'm concerned for them because they don't know what they don't know, and um and and what I went through back in 2008 and 2009 is uh is what I'm worried about for people happening today. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. Because what, long story short, what ended up happening was as I got into that job, I you know I had these 92 rental units. It my my day was constant, and from six in the morning till ten at night, my phone rang. And sometimes it rang in the middle of the night because there was emergencies that came up and, you know, I was doing all the maintenance, all the showings, all the leasing, opening the mail, doing the bank deposits, filing for evictions. I mean, I literally did everything. So even though people from the outside in thought I was raked, you know, was standing in tall clover, they're looking at me like, hey, you're bringing sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars $65,000 a month. This guy's got it made. But what they didn't know is how leveraged everything was, how leveraged not only my financial side was how leveraged my life was, how much time I had leveraged for everything because I created all these little jobs for myself. Yeah, that sounds really, really awful, man. Phone just stops, <laughs> starts ringing, it essentially never stops, and just a frenetic pace all day long. And I imagine the physical strain, the emotional strain, all of it, which is why you said that it almost kills you, and, and that, 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 that certainly makes sense. But this amazing proving ground looking back because you did all of those things and you did it all for way too long. When right. when when you decided to make this shift and you're putting together the landlord coach, tell me a little bit about just how you said, okay, I, I people need this information. We need to learn about the right property, the right tenants. How, 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 how do you structure it? Well, I, I'm going to – so – the, the rest of that story really quickly is that, yeah. you know, when the economy did finally fall apart in 2008, the, um, the people who were least able to weather that storm were the ones who felt it the worst. And, um, you know, and these are all the people who are salaried workers. And I was renting to, you know, I was, I had C and D type properties. So these are people who didn't have 401ks to lean back on, or, I mean, these were people that they weren't even living paycheck to paycheck. They were living from moment to moment. Hmm you know, and just trying to get by. And 
And uh, finally, and, and you know, and it caught up to them. And then, of course, it caught up to me and I became one of them, you know, where I was living from moment to moment. So when I say that it almost killed me, I, I, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying that as a, an actual fact because I got double pneumonia and because I was working 18, 19, 20 hours a day and I almost died in the hospital. So as I'm laying there in the hospital, I'm kind of ruminating about everything that's going wrong in my life because I didn't have anything to do except, I mean, I couldn't answer the phone. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let me take phone calls there. What would, I, what would have been the point? Right. Um, but I sat down and I really what kind of came together was this, you know, all the things that were wrong in my life really kind of landed in three buckets. And those three buckets were basically everything was in my head. First and foremost, everything that it needed to get done was in my head. So I had no specific processes. I was just doing what was the most on fire at that moment in time. Who was yelling the loudest? So there was really no process. So all I that was the biggest. That was the first bucket I kind of recognized. And then people were all often saying to me, well, you really just need to get help. I'm like, well, what's help going to do if I don't even have a place for them to go? What am I going to walk them into a room and yell, do work and then run away? You know, <laughs> it's not going to, it's, it's not going to help my, my state of the, of, of the, the universe, you know? Um, so, so, you know, as a result, I didn't have any infrastructure. I didn't have a desk, a chair. I mean, you know, I didn't have a place for them to go. I mean, everything I did was out of my truck, um, you know, I didn't have uh, software. I didn't have computers. I didn't have any of that stuff. So as a result, I didn't have any infrastructure that I recognized. So no processes, no infrastructure. And then finally, when I got thinking about it, I was like, well, what am I doing this for? You know, I've been in the corporate world, even though I fit in there like a square peg, but I can do pretty much anything to make money. Why am I doing this? What is my point of all this? So that was then I realized that I didn't have any actual vision about what my life, what I wanted my life to look like. So really that's how I came up with what I wrote in the time wealthy investor 2.0 is the vision infrastructure process method, the VIP method. And it has to go in that order. It, it, most gurus, if you will, you know, who are in this space of teaching people how to be better landlords, they lead with tactics. And I'm not saying suggesting that their tactics are bad, but I think that's a wrong approach, at least for me, where I feel that I need to know what, what am I doing this for in the first place? What's my vision? What am I hoping to get to? What's the end in mind? As Stephen Covey might have said, you know, or did say, you know, what would, what's the end in mind that you're trying to get to? So what's your vision? What is your, and it has nothing to do with rental properties. You know, I speak across the United States in different RIA groups and, you know, I'll be mingling with the crowd in advance of, you know, going up and speaking and, you know, people will always say to me, you know, I mean, I'm like, oh, what are you, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with your rental properties? You know, if they say that they're in rentals, they're like, and it's, it's always, it's funny because they'll say, oh, well, I, I want to get a hundred rental units, you know, or, or it's always increments of 25. I don't know why, but you know, always, always want, I want to get in 50 rental units. I want a hundred rental units, you know, um, to which I'll respond back to them and say, really? So 97 wouldn't get you to where you want to go in life? Nope. <laughs> well, 97 would probably, you know, right. And then they go, oh, well, you know, I'm like 91 won't do it. Right. And I think 93, you know, or, you know, 87, I think that's a prime number. I mean, that would probably work. Right. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll do that for a while until they realize what they're doing is they're confusing the number of rental units with the life output. They think that that's going to buy them. Hmm. So at, then when we get really clear on their vision, you know, it's like, okay, so really what is it that you want? It probably, it has nothing to do. God did not put you here to manage a hundred rental units. 
put you here for a purpose for that vision and and it probably has you know you're you're you want that cash flow so it can provide you freedom but what do you want to do with that freedom specifically and then when you start to identify that then you can start to back into the infrastructure and process that you need with um with the you know to deliver that vision for you that's probably the first time anybody's when 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 you're taking people through this exercise I, i i can't imagine that they've ever actually sat down and thought about it no, they never, I won't say never, but it's seldom. It's very seldom. Or the ones who will say, no, 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 I'm good on vision their coach. I'm good. And I'll start to say, oh, okay. So what do you need, you know, to satisfy your vision every, every month, you know, on a monthly basis. And they will always say, well, I need $25,000 a month to the penny, which tells me that, okay, so your exact it's, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That's exactly $25,000 even. That's amazing, right? Which tells me that they didn't do the math. They didn't, do, they didn't think that through at all. They, they don't have a budget for what exactly it is that they're trying to accomplish. They just came up with a $25,000 number because that sounds really cool. And I'm guilty of this. This is not judgment. This is confession. So if you're out there, don't think I'm judging you because I do this. I did the same thing. In fact, I still do the same thing when I try to come up with revenue goals for my, my own personal, sure. uh, my own personal stuff. But that's the thing that I recognize where, where people, you start to poke holes in their vision and you say, okay, what is it you're trying to accomplish with these, with these rental units where, you know, if your vision is to lay on the beach rubbing cocoa butter in your belly, fine vision, right? You know, What's that going to cost you on a monthly basis if you're going to do that for two months out of the year? Okay, you can put a number in that. You want to go to Spain and sip sangria and lay on the beach, and that's great, okay? But the reason vision has to come first is because when you build an infrastructure, you're going to build an infrastructure that's in alignment with that vision. So, for example, if your vision is to go lay on the beach rubbing cocoa butter on your belly, you know, if you build an infrastructure that's going to require you to return, to return emails and phone calls in a timely manner – that's going to be a terrible experience for you when you're trying to lay on the beach, relax, and rub cocoa butter on your belly, right? right. So, it, so when you're creating that infrastructure, you want to create that that's going to be in alignment with your vision. So then when you create your processes, the processes are the same thing. You're going to create processes that are going to run on your infrastructure that you created. The, the processes are your, you know, your standard operating procedures. Your, you, that's the tactics, right? That's the tactics that the gurus teach. That I off that I teach as well. I just don't lead with them, but, I, but we're going to put processes in place that are in alignment with your skill set, that are in alignment with what you want to do, which what you enjoy doing, and then put them on the on the infrastructure that you created, and then that all stays in alignment with your vision for the future. I love it. That makes perfect sense. And to me, it 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 it, it it's odd and ineffective just to talk about the tactics, sort of like what you, you just referenced. If we're not clear on what we really want our vision to be, what we want our lives to look like, um, then what does it matter how many tactics that you have because you're not going to actually stick to it? Do you, do, do, do you find that to be the case? I could not have said that better because I, I go and I watch a lot of different speakers. So there's, Lord knows I do not have all the answers to every single thing. I mean, I, I know I'm good at what I do. But I think what part makes me good at what I do is the fact that I know I'm not, I don't have all sure. the answers to every single thing. But I can tell you, like, I'll sit, I'll sit in and watch a wholesaler, for example, someone who's teaching wholesaling, which I have zero interest in doing. It's too much like a job for me. But, but you know, for people starting out, wholesaling makes a lot of sense. But, you know, when I watch people who are 
you know, like it's like, hey, all you have to do is go knock on ten thousand doors, and you're going to make twenty thousand dollars in a month, right? And I'm like, there is no physical way I am ever going to knock on ten thousand doors. And it's not, I'm not, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. I mean, it, the first hundred would probably, the first hundred no's would be enough to turn me away. Not saying that his tactic is wrong. It's wrong for me. I don't want to do it. It's just something I'm not going to do. Even though you know, they'll, they'll berate me, they'll publicly shame me. You know, don't you want to be successful, right? Like it, leading with tactics, I feel is, and again, there's a Sun Tzu quote out there that says, tactics before strategy is the noise before defeat. And it, it, when you're, you have to have a strategy, you, you know, even Napoleon, even though he recognized that, you know, one of the greatest battlefield minds of the, you know, of the modern age he he knew that even though after the first shot is fired the, the the best blade plan goes to pot but you still you still need to plan you still need to strategize you still need to go from the top down and figure out okay i'm not going to worry about tactics because i need to know what my strategy is so you, so leading with this i feel like i've always been a little bit more strategic in my thinking and not really worried about the tactics because the tactics are going to show you what you need to do it, it, it all it does is the results will show you if you don't get the result that you want, then you're not doing the right tactic. That's all. Just don't beat yourself up over it. Just try something different. And, and, that, and that should be your strategy is to just never, ever, ever, ever give up and just know that sometimes the strategy, you know, like and sometimes you have to adjust your strategy, but the tactics are fluid. The tactics will come and go and the tactics will be different for every different person based on their skill set. I love it. Well, Mark. People are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Probably the best thing that I have is early on, I wish that someone had grabbed me by the shoulders and just looked at me and straight in the face and said, Mark, you need to first and foremost learn to value your time. Learn to value your free time. Because if you don't put a value on your time, somebody else will, and it's going to be at a rate much, much less than what you're worth. So... My suggestion overall is to make sure that people place a value on their time and anything that you're doing that is less than those dollars, you try to get that farmed out to someone else as quickly as you possibly can, as quickly as you can afford to. So if you're worth $50 an hour, you're making hundred grand a year and you're making $50 an hour, then you know, does it make sense for you to be doing $12 an hour work where you're cleaning or painting an apartment or whatever it is? because you're costing yourself $38 or you know $35 an hour when you're doing that sort of work. So learn to fire learn to value your time and learn to fire yourself from those minimum wage jobs as quickly as you can. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people <laughs> learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Well, thanks so much, George. Um, honestly, they can just drop me an email. I'm at mark at landlordcoach.com, M-A-R-K at landlordcoach.com, or they can go to my website at landlordcoach.com. There's lots of free stuff on there, and uh, you can get a copy of them my book unless they want to spend retail and get it on Amazon. But if they want to get it for a much discounted price, they can get it on my website. Um, or I'm on Facebook, Mark Dolfini, or at Landlord Coach. You can find me there as well. Excellent. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Mark your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Shoot Mark an email at mark at landlordcoach.com. Go check out other great resources at landlordcoach.com and pick up a copy of his book as well. Thanks again, Mark.
Thanks, George. I appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.